Good morning, church. So good to be with you this morning. How are you guys doing? Oh, man, there's something in the air today. I'm so grateful. Um, today, we're going we're gonna to talk about the kind of the significance of all of these kind of tables and what they represent in a moment. But uh, last week, we had a standalone message about fasting and prayer as we embark on this journey into prayer and consecration towards the cross and the resurrection and Easter. And as the prayer team or as the leadership team prayed together, we felt like it was imperative for us to postpone our other series that we had planned called Origins and maybe put that at another place, and then lean into what God is doing in this season. How many of you guys know that God is moving and doing a new thing, right? God is shifting something, and it's marked by the beauty and the love and the peace of God and his spirit. It's also marked by repentance. I didn't think I was gonna cry right there, but, but there's this, this, there's purifying, and God's so gentle, and he's so good, and he's wooing the bride back into her proper orientation and, and heart posture. And so today we're going to continue with this idea of leaning into consecration and prayer so that we can hunger for the right things and not be satisfied with the counterfeit sweets of the world and be satisfied with the sweets of heaven, the sweetness of his presence and his truth. And so today we're going to continue with that. Who was here last Wednesday? There's a, quite a few of us. And if you weren't here, it's okay, but I just want to just bless what happened last Wednesday. We had an Ash uh, worship service, and uh, just candidly, I've never done that. I didn't grow up with this tradition, and so I, I was coming in and just really expectant. I know that it comes with other, with history, but we, we feel like Holy Spirit's asking us to reclaim some of these ancient practices from the church, and it's beautiful. And... We worshiped and we had this ceremony and man, I was just like, tears were flowing and it doesn't necessitate that it was better because there was more emotion necessarily, but it does kind of signify that their that hearts were open and which is really sweet. Um, and then so we concluded and we had some, some families and so I wanna make sure we got uh, some time to just go to bed and we had 6, 6.30 a.m. Uh, prayer the next morning. So I was like, that concludes our service. Be blessed, we love you, but we're gonna continue to, to just keep this room open for prayer, for worship. And we ended up just staying like almost two hours longer and just like lingered. And again, these caveats, these new, this nuance and stuff like, just stuff like that, just because a service goes really long doesn't necessarily mean it's more spiritual. I, I'm just saying that. But it can show some things. You know, what it showed me is that people, our people, we wanted to just stay and linger in the manifest presence of God and stay unified together because God is worthy. I have more to give you, God. I have more to bless you with. And man, I was literally at one point I was in the back and uh, I caught myself dancing. <laughs> I was literally dancing. I haven't danced since I was in YWAM, like in our missions organization that we were part of. I'm like, I'm a grown man dancing right now. No one, no one was really seeing. I was like hiding in the back except for God. And, and it's just great to see freedom happen. And so I want to remind you, if, if you are hungry for this, for worship, for corporate worship like that, of course, there's every Sunday and there's other times where, where we do it in the week, but we're also pointing to the Good Friday worship service that we're going to do, okay? So mark your calendars, April 7th, uh, we're going to worship again together. You know, one of the things that, um, that I treasure in this season 
um, is having my parents here. So they moved here a few months ago. And so my mom grew up Catholic. My dad grew up Jewish. And, and now we're together worshiping the Messiah together, you know, Christ together. And it's just like, if you know any of our, my story, it's just like been, it's been crazy <laughs> with our family. And many of you guys have stories that are sort of crazy or just gone through a lot yourselves. So going, going and worshiping and, and doing the ceremony was really special. Um, many of you guys have met my mom. She's super gargarious and really just, she doesn't meet a stranger. She's really wonderful. And my dad is like, he's those things too, but he's a little bit more reserved and uh, if you get to know my dad, you'll realize that he's, like, really thoughtful. He's, he's really he's smart and, you know, really deep thinker, really philosophical. And so I don't know if you've grown up with a dad like that, just, like, in some of those characteristics. Maybe you can translate that for your context. But it's really awesome, but it also can be really confusing <laughs> as a kid, as a son. Like, Dad, uh, what time is it? What time is it? And he's like, well, that's a really cosmological question, son. <laughs> it's a good question. I, I would say it's the rate of change, or maybe it's the spectrum of existence. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, I'm just asking you what time it is because I want to get to school on time. Um, I love my dad. And uh, I learned my devotional life and just like the, the sort of the genesis of like what it looks like to, to be in relationship with God and, and study the scripture. I learned that from him. And something that I loved about my dad um, as well is when I was a kid, I was a boy, every night he would, he would pray with me on my bedside as I went to sleep. And he would go and, uh, I mean, I'm reminding him right now, but he would get on his knees and he would just like slumped over on the bed and he would pray for me. Um, and I remember just being like, sometimes I'm like, yes, this is great. And there's other times like, dad, stop praying. I need to go to bed. Like I got school the next morning. But I just believe that there's something powerful about a praying dad. There's something powerful about a praying mom. There's something powerful about a praying spouse. There's something powerful about a praying church. There's something powerful about a praying generation. I just believe in the, in the power of prayer. It changes things. And not only does it change things out here, it changes things in the interior as well. Right, you guys know what I'm talking about? Does anyone believe in the power of prayer in this place? Yeah. Prayer changes things. And so today we're going to talk about prayer. Last week we talked about fasting a good deal. And we're going to continue to talk about fasting. But today we're really going to kind of dial in on prayer. And maybe even the specific, some of the specific parts or different parts of prayer uh, that present like the potency of prayer, if you kind of see them in their different kind of aspects. And we're gonna find this from Matthew 6. Matthew 6. So feel free to turn there if you have your Bibles, your phones. Matthew is the very first book in the Bible. Well, not the Bible, the New Testament. And uh, it's awesome. Would you rise for the reading of God's word? Many of us, many of us, uh, have grown up with this passage, but let's just receive it with, with a fresh spirit, with fresh ears today. This is the living word of God. So take a deep breath in with me. And out. Matthew 6, verse 9. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people, then they, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. So Father, we love you, we love your word. We stand, it, stand on it as truth. Holy Spirit, you're the one who makes letters on a page come alive to our hearts, so would you just come and have your way today? We need you. We thank you for today and just the significance of, of all of these ministries represented and all of the people here. And I just pray that today there, there's a fresh touch and a fresh revelation of the power of prayer that it is the end goal because it's really just relationship with you. And so would you have your way? Would you allow us to leave change and power to make change happen in this world? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. As you saw in that video, um, there is a, we have a prayer meeting that happens every day, well, Monday through Friday at 6.30 to 7. And we've been growing as a community to grow in zeal for prayer and to kind of recapture that practice and, and give it some muscle in some ways, right? And just to, to practice it and to grow in zeal for the presence of God. And it's been really great. It's been really, really great. And so I wanna encourage you guys, I just wanna tell you if, you, if we don't pray, it will hurt you. And I think in some cases, it could even kill you. And that's strong language, but I just believe it. If we don't pray, it will harm us. We are meant to pray. We are meant to be in union with God and dialogue with God. And so I'm not saying you have to go to the Zoom meeting, but might as well. Like just, it's a strong ask, but at the same time, it's just, it's worth it. So if you can, wake up early. We put it early enough that you can, we can do this together. And I wanna encourage us to try to do it because I think it's worth it. If you're interested in this, if you feel that tug, even if it's once a week, maybe it's five times a week, go to onechapel.com prayer. We have all of our resources for prayer and consecration in this season of Lent. And we're also, uh, our Zoom link is there. So if you wanna join up, that's where you go. You know, one thing that I noticed during the last five days or so, praying with our church family, is like four patterns, and I wanna highlight them. People have been praying and have a yearning in their heart for their family. There's a lot of heartbreak, there's a lot of complexity, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of things going on in y'all's family, in our family, right? Can you relate to that? I'm sure you can. And so it's like, especially with children, like praying for their children, but also parents and, then, and, and spouses. Another pattern is a, a, a longing for a deeper relationship with God, deeper intimacy with God, and discipline to do it. It's not just an idea that we have, it's like we have to live it out and make it a lifestyle. So people are praying for this. And third is, is healing. I notice a lot of people need healing from their past. Healing in their mind. Healing in their body. And healing in their relationships. And then lastly, a prayer and a hunger for revival and awakening to continue to spread. And I can go on and on about this, and, there's, and I'm just like holding things in tension. We need revival, we need reformation. And we need, we need to hunger and bless for these things. And maybe we'll talk about that more in a second. But I think 
These things you probably relate to uh, to one degree or another, right? And so there's a need, there's a longing in our soul. So Jesus, he comes and he is incarnate and he presents this good news, this revelation, revolution of the kingdom of God, heaven, the kingdom of heaven, using the language of Matthew, invading earth. And everywhere he goes, what is he doing? Right? He's serving people. He's on mission. He's others-focused. He's healing others. He's teaching. He's spreading awakening and revival. And he's restoring people's relationship back to the Father. And he's demonstrating the power and the love of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders. Come on. Right? And his disciples are all witnessing this, right? The disciples are walking along with them and they're witnessing this. And I find it interesting that the Bible doesn't highlight the disciples asking him, hey, Jesus, how do you, how do you work healings like that, right? How, are you, how do you operate in signs and wonders? Like he, the, the Bible's not highlighting that, and then Jesus gives this whole teaching about those questions. He asks, they, they ask him about prayer. I think the disciples figured out that the source for Jesus was prayer. It was prayer. And then, y'all, when we, when we couple that, we marry that, even if it's micro-seasons with fasting, oh my gosh, something explosive can happen, something really powerful can happen. And just as a quick illustration, let's say, and this is not apples for apples, but I was just thinking about this last night. Let's say um, you're on a journey for health. You wanna increase your blood flow and your strength and your endurance and the longevity of your life and all these things, this fitness. You wanna maximize who you are as a person for the sake of the world, for the sake of your family, all those things. What do you have to do? You have to exercise. You have to get moving. You have to get your heart pumping. You have to come alive in your body, right? And prayer is like that in a way. It's the activity of relationship with God. It's the activity. It's the movement of relationship with God in many ways. And then... But if you want, to see, you want to see the real breakthrough in that wholeness and that health, right? You have to couple that with diet, right? You can't just like, I'm going to work out really. You got to change the, your lifestyle and the way you eat. And with fasting, maybe the way you eat and with what you don't eat. So I think these together bring about this breakthrough that we're longing for. And that's just like a side kind of thing about fasting. That, And I want to encourage, opt in. If you're not fasting, opt in. Maybe it's, it's just make it incremental or make it something that digestible, no pun intended, something easy for you to do. And then let's lean in together as a family with that. So prayer, we're gonna talk about prayer for the rest of the time. So let's, we're gonna walk through a little expository kind of style teaching on Matthew 6, as we read. And I wanna highlight, as mentioned, six different kinds of potent, powerful prayers that will, that will allow us to step into the breakthrough that I think our soul is longing for. And so here are the, maybe not six, it's five. Five. And here are the five. Adoring, accepting, asking, admitting, and battling against evil. And maybe you're like, dude, why is, not, why is the fifth one not an A word? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I couldn't think of one. Don't be too picky, okay? No, I really tried that. I was like, synonyms. 
Um, but I think that what I needed to present for this section was like, it was not an A word. It was battling against evil. So let's jump in. Verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So this first one is adoring. What does Jesus start this prayer with? It's adoration. It's worship. It's exaltation. And I'm using the word adoration, I think. It encompasses the significant posture that we need to take on in prayer. Adoration is the primacy of prayer for Jesus. It's his priority. So Jesus is saying, God, you are heavenly. You You are heavenly. You are lovely. You are infinite. You are beautiful. You are majestic. You're transcendent and pure, right? And it also says this picture of in heaven, it's a picture that God is above it all, reigning with power and good judgment and justice and goodness and beauty. Hallowed be your name. So we're called to exalt the name of Jesus or the name of the Father. We're called to exalt and adore God. Everything starts with this. Everything starts with adoration. Adoration is the frame for all of prayer. You know, we see this in the Psalms. These poets, um, these priests, and, and King David, let's say, are all taking on this posture. Even in the midst of suffering and pain and fear, there is adoration. The primary posture of prayer is adoration. And so I just want to ask, when you pray, when we pray, do we adore God? Or, you know, is it sometimes, like, if you're like me, it's like, sometimes it's just like he's this ATM machine far in the sky. I just, like, need to get the code right. Or maybe he's just like this distant force far away or something like that. But God is not a force, right? We know this in our head. He is our loving and perfect Father, this is a loving relationship. And I think we know this in our head, but sometimes in our prayers, it's like, do we, do we embody this? Father, do I, so it's like, do I pray? Father, I adore you. I worship you. I exalt your name. You know, it's interesting, in other parts of the scripture, God actually personifies himself not only as, as the Father in heaven, but also as a lover, as a covenantal lover, <laughs> Hosea is all about that. And then Jesus is called the bridegroom, and we are the bride. And so do we see God in this loving and intimate way? This is really, really important. So let me put it this way. If we, if we don't spend time adoring God, and not just like just words, but like feeling and sensing and, and thinking and knowing, and adoring God for who he is, I guarantee you the rest of this prayer won't feel real to your heart. It won't seem real to your heart. And over time, it just won't seem worth it if we don't start from this place. So I wanna give you a key right now. Just put your hand out like this. I'm gonna give you a key. It's a golden key to all of prayer, and it's adoration. Receive that, put it in your heart. Adoration. It makes every other part of this prayer possible, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go along. So verse 10, let's continue. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I have a heart cry to see heaven invade earth. I want to see, I want to see the beauty and the perfection and the heart of the Father to come, the light of heaven to come into our dark world, to bring peace where there's anxiety, to bring unity where there's disunity, right? I want these things. And we can do a whole probably teaching about this reality of the coming of the kingdom of heaven. This is, this is a really, in a, in a robust way, like the gospel. But I want to highlight accepting with this verse here, accepting. You know, too often, <laughs> too often, I think I live with my own kingdom in mind, my own kind of career or wants or pleasures or will in mind, right? I so often live with like me at the center of the world. I don't, I'm sure you guys don't relate to that, but, um, but I think that, well, that's one of the problems with our, with our, our, um, our cultural moment is everyone is sort of taught that they're the center of the world, but you know that that logically just doesn't make sense. <laughs> and so everyone's combating, thinking, I'm the center. No, I'm the center. And obviously there's going to be some war and conflict if we're all coming at it this way. There's only one center, and it's God. And so this prayer is an accepting, the relinquishing of, of myself and my own centrality to Jesus being center there. So often I'm just like, this is what I think the situation should be, so God, please make that happen, right? But when we accept, when we're accepting of God's will and, and, and not our own, when God, it's God's kingdom and not my own perception of, of kingdom, my own plus his or something like that, how many guys know that joy and peace and rest come and flood like a river? There's, there is a dynamic in the kingdom, I, I believe with all my heart, that when there is a true adoration with accepting, peace starts to invade, even in the most um, confusing and, and harmful moments. You know, unless we sort of adore, if, we, if we're not engaging this type of prayer and letting the love of God, God, I love you, and I, and I receive your love, the world is all like, what do I need to do to get? The kingdom is upside down. We actually start with receiving. It's grace. So we, it's like, Lord, I, I love you and I receive from you. I respond, by, I respond to your grace in my life. You're majestic. And when this happens, it starts to wash over us, right? I even sense it happening now. It begins to wash over us. But if we don't do that, if we don't do these things, accepting, we'll never... Well, if we try to accept without that connection with God, we won't really taste the rest and the peace and the joy that God is offering. And maybe we're, since we've seen that in our own life. But when we adore God, it's like, again, I'm giving like examples, but I also just love to pray. It's like, I adore you, Jesus. I adore you, God. And we love you in this place. And we trust you. Yeah. Right? We trust you. And so it's this accepting, it's this surrender. Your will be done, not mine. Even when I feel confused, and I'm, why is this stuff coming into my life? I could still trust and accept it and find the rest and the peace that you're promising. 
And as a side note, that doesn't mean that we just accept or we don't resist against evil, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But there's a deeper level to this that, I, that I'm really trying to point out. It's a picture of love and trust. Man, when we pray this, this is a potent prayer. This is what Jesus is, is talking about here, I think, in many ways. Let's continue, verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. I don't know about you, but it's like, finally, asking. <laughs> I think, um, if I'm honest, I start most of my prayers this way. <laughs> Maybe you, you can relate. It's just, God, I need help. <laughs> you know, like I need, can you help this thing? And, you know, and I'm not saying this is some kind of formula that you can't just, God, I need your help right now. You know, I'm not saying that. God is relational. It's not an equation. But it's a posture that we're talking about, yeah. right? There's this unspoken adoration even before I'm asking. That's, I think, okay. But if I'm just asking, I'm asking, I think that it can be harmful. I think sometimes I've asked and asked, and maybe you could relate to this. I've just asked, and sometimes on the other side of asking, I've just listed out all of my problems without really loving and trusting God, and then I feel more worried, <laughs> right? Does anyone, I need this, I need this. And, but it's like disconnected from adoration and love and trust and accepting. And then we end up getting more anxious. So these things work together. We're, we're asking from this place of adoration and surrender. We then ask. This is trust and love working together and then asking God to move. You know, in John 14, um, Jesus says, ask in my name and I'll, and I'll do it. Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? It's just like wild. It's like, ask and you'll just, you'll just do what I'm asking you to do. Yes, when you ask in his name. One of the things that help us, helps us ask in the name of Jesus is to adore yeah. and to trust. It's to adore and to accept his will. And it's also in his name is just like, taking in account the authority that Jesus lived out and won through his faithfulness and obedience, being covenant-keeping the whole time, representing the people of God, and then dying for us, and representing God as well with us. And so there is an authority with that, and we pray, was also I just, we pray in his name knowing, like, what did Jesus do when he was praying to the Father in Gethsemane? Not my will, but your will. So again, it's this authority, but it's surrender. But when we do, we shift something, or God shifts something through us. This is extremely powerful. This is some of the, the posture of prayer as we enter, as we continue with these 40 days to Easter and also our lifestyle. We adore, we accept, and we ask. Verse, four, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then it's, it's kind of interesting. Jesus kind of goes out of his way in verse 15. Let's read 15. But if you do not forgive others, your father will not forgive you. And so this next one, I'm kind of, a moniker for that is admitting. Admitting. So what does this mean? What does this, this mean? We don't have time to probably fully unpackage it, but I think that the deeper meaning under this if you take the, the view of the gospel and all of that Jesus is talking about, is forgiveness from 
Forgiveness from God comes through repentance. It comes through repentance. We might think it's more of a transactional thing. I need to repent. And then there is something to be said about that. But I think underneath it all, it's repentance. And let me put it this way. It's hard to stay mad at somebody without feeling a little bit superior to them. You know, we, to stay sort of like bitter and unforgiving is to nurture our pride. And so there's a cascade from this. If we continue to nurture our pride in this unforgiveness, and it goes on and on, it will, it will harden our heart. And then it becomes harder and harder to repent. And this unrepentance and this pride, that is what separates us from God. And it's what separates us from the forgiveness of God. And so Jesus is teaching us to admit, to repent. He's really asking the church to come and admit and repent, I think, in this hour. And to forgive others. And I don't know about you, but I just don't pray this prayer enough. I don't. I think, like, I think of, like, all the other ones, and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's probably more, like, that should be more routine, but this one's just, like, for certain situations. <laughs> but he's, he's putting it with everything else. It is, it is something that needs to take place all the time. Pastor Tim Keller, theologian in New York City, he says he gives two hours every Tuesday just for the prayer of confession. <laughs> every week, he just, I'm confessing for two hours. This needs to be a part of a life, and I think that it, it Again, it has the potency for the life that we're longing for and the change that we're longing for. And lastly, verse 13, deliver us from the evil one. This is a little bit of a shorter message today because I want to give a little bit more time to, uh, to respond in worship and communion today. But even, and even more kind of like highlighted today is these wonderful people who are offering, this is what we're doing to spread the mercy and the, and the light of the kingdom in our area. And so I'm just kind of like, I wanted to give you these things, but I want us to also try to capture these things and put them in our heart and then practice them. Maybe pray out the Lord's Prayer with these things in mind. I guarantee you it will, it will change some things. So lastly is deliver us from the evil one, battling against evil. So I'm gonna call up the, the worship team to, to kind of close on this. You know, we live in a pretty evil world. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of harm, right? Hurt people, hurt people that hurt people. And then, then there's just like the enemy himself and that whole entourage, and then we have, we have natural, we have things happening, just the brokenness and fall, we have the earthquake, you know, there all this stuff going on, and so Jesus isn't saying, like, just, just pray and just to stay still, and even that statement's, like, contradictory, because true prayer is activity, like, they, it's not, like, this, like, addendum, it's like, no, this is, prayer is, like, my relationship with God, and to have a relationship with God, I'm living it out, I'm embodying it. And so we are called to battle against the evil one, and it's, and it's not on our own. It's like, God, I'm partnering with you. I know that you're working. And I think, though, in, in many ways, prayer, 
the, the prayer of this, this passage and prayer in general and the practices of these things that I presented and all of like the canon of scripture is how we battle against evil. You know that song, This Is How I Fight My Battles? Yeah. This is how I fight my battles. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I find it an interesting little like theological idea. This is how I fight my battles, right? And so what I think that song is saying, what this passage and what the point here is like, the way we fight battles is we, pri- we firstly, we go to God and, I, and we say, you're my father and I'm in relationship with you. I'm your son, I'm your daughter. I'm in your kingdom. I'm in your family. I have your authority and you're worthy of it all and you're king and I exalt you, and I fear you, and I love you. (laughs) And I'm in love with you. Like, when I think about Jesus, I'm in love with him. My my heart's in love with his heart. And so we adore, we love, and then we accept. We surrender, we trust. I trust you, God. (laughs) And then we ask, this is contending. Lord, I, I have needs. These people have needs. All these represent, there are needs that need, need your help. We're asking, but we ask in your name. We ask with your spirit. And then we admit, and this brings humility, which we need. <laughs> it brings repentance, and it brings unity. How many of you guys know that when we do this, unity surges? It's really pride that breaks people apart. And then when we do these things, we go and battle against evil by living this prayer out, by living these practices out, by embodying it and breathing it. And then we live it in our marriages, in in our friendship groups, in our church, in our neighborhoods. We spread it out to all of the lost and the hurting. And man, there's a lot of lost and there's a lot of hurting. So this is how we fight our battles, battling against evil. We're gonna just kind of shift here to some ministry time and allow the Holy Spirit to maybe just touch our hearts and to bring some of this truth uh, even deeper into our heart. Let it just kind of sink to the, the bottom of the ocean of your heart. And so would you, if you're willing, just put your hands out like this. It's an ancient practice of just saying, I'm open, God. I'm receiving I'm but a beggar in need of your bread. I don't have it on my own. And so, Lord, we love you, God. We, we do exalt your name. How majestic is your name? I think of that passage in, in Psalms, the praise of infants. This is how we fight our battles. And so would you help us take on the childlike heart to help us unburden from all of the adult things we gotta do that we think we gotta do, that we do on our own. It's our own kingdom we're building. It's our own will that we're enforcing. But we just take your hand, Heavenly Father. We say thank you for empowering us with your presence, with your spirit. Thank you for dying for us. taking on our sin and shame, and now we are your family.
So Holy Spirit, would you just come and would you speak to us? Just stay for a second. This moment of silence before the King. <laughs> 